Welcome to Tales of Beautiful Feet, where we recount the stories of ordinary American Christians involved in taking the good news to a spiritually dark world. Listen and be challenged to go beyond what you've ever done before, beyond your comfort zone, so that others can come to know our Savior. We'll hear firsthand from those who've gone about the experiences they've had, the lives they've seen changed, and the way they've been changed themselves. And we'll tell you how you too can meaningfully participate in Jesus' great commission to the church. So grab a Bible and a notepad if you like, while we celebrate the verse that says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The episode you're about to hear is part two of a two-part interview with one of the brothers who has worked with me in previous mission trips. In the first portion, we discussed some of the work we did together in door-to-door evangelistic work and church planting in his nation. In this second portion, we discussed the current ministry that he has with his wife in the red-light district of one of the nation's largest cities. I hope you enjoy this episode, The Not Forgotten Interview, Part 2. So now let's turn the turn the corner and talk about your uh, your ministry. Yeah, uh, cool. How did you go from being involved in church planting as a result of short-term mission trips uh, or in association with short-term mission trips to what you're doing now and tell us what that is? Um, so I I left my I left my uh, I left what I was doing in the short-term mission trip and and other things um, that involved that involved me with church planting moment stuff and uh, started working with my wife who is from the United States probably indeed that I don't know <laughs> no I think that's that's, that's okay. fine that's okay because there's no persecution here for that <laughs> so yeah so and we started um, an organization called the not forgotten because God's been talking to us especially about the red light people how they are lost and I've never had a vision about doing anything in the red light uh, until the first time I had such an such an experience going, walking through the middle of the red light as I as I walked through the middle of the red light all of the ladies were just grabbing me and because because no one really goes there uh, unless they have a bad motivation of doing right. something or purchasing. So let's let's pause at this moment and just make sure that everyone understands what we're talking about is a red light district yeah and uh, which is the that's a, a name for parts of probably most modern cities where, that are dedicated to the sex trade, where there's all sorts of things. There's uh, uh, sometimes pornography being filmed. There may be uh, lots of prostitution, there, there, and usually closely associated with all of that is going to be drug trafficking. And um, in many countries, uh, probably including the U.S., uh, in the red light districts, that's one of the hidden places where modern slavery is taking place, where, yes. where people have, uh, through poverty or through kidnapping, they've been put in a situation and now they think there's no escape. Uh, they don't see any alternative to, their, uh, to what they're doing. And in some cases, you were telling us yesterday, they, they've, it's become kind of their culture that they yeah. they were brought up in this and they feel like that's all that they all that they have so now with that background go ahead and continue yeah so my wife and I are serving among the women children and the men in the red light district um, 
in our nation that is known as one of Asia's largest red light. Might have to deep that, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, I was afraid you are going to use the name. Yeah. That, that description is fine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's one of uh, AGS largest red light district where we're working right now currently. And um, we're really, we're beyond thankful to God for appointing us into a service in the red light and um, using us to build his kingdom there. And yeah, like you say, like you said, not a lot of times the women or children's been trafficked from outside, but it's it's their circumstance. Your circ their circumstance in the red light is what forced forced them to um, be a slave in the sex trade. A lot of times we we've encountered that as we continued our research in the red light and off the red light. So that's what we were doing and also we we're doing a bunch of stuffs in the in the slum which is right next to the red light um, in our nation um, that I can't technically talk about but anyway yeah. So tell us uh, you, were, you were mentioning the gathering of children yeah. that you have. Tell us about that and how, and how it started. Yeah so one time we were uh, having worship and prayer uh, a night at our building in the red light and a little boy was picking through the window of our building so immediately we went went out and uh, and invited him in and as he came in he felt the presence of God all over him and he said uh, it was it's something different that I've never ever felt before so he was definitely feeling the presence of God and the Holy Spirit touching him all over the place and immediately after that we share the gospel with him and he puts his faith in Jesus hallelujah so that that's the kind of thing that we love seeing how people's lives being transformed by the power of the gospel so this is amazing and then the next day he goes back and brings over a whole bunch of his friends and they go back and brings over a whole bunch of their friends and now that way we have 25 kids that we regularly minister to in our building yeah and you compared that to a biblical story yesterday what, what was that um, I compared that the with the stories of the Samaritan women because that was very like what the boy did it was an immediate res respond to the gospel so he heard the gospel put his faith in Jesus and went back to his community and 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 brought over a whole bunch of his friends so that I can totally relate his story with the story of Samaritan women from John chapter 4 so one of the things that I want to accomplish through these these uh, interviews and the other podcasts that I'm sharing is I as I grew up as a, as a Christian here in America, I often felt very, very far removed from the kinds of things that were happening in the New Testament. Our, our culture seemed radically different. The, the, the parables seemed to uh, uh, an agri agrarian setting that few Americans actually live in today. Um, and the stories, I could picture them happening, but I couldn't picture them happening here. And as I stepped into the nation that, uh, that we share a love for, um, I found that so much of what happens there looks so biblical. You know, it's the same thing happening. You go into the, the same sort of village life and you can see the same sorts of crowds gathering. You see the same different reactions, whether embracing the gospel or opposing the gospel. Yeah. Uh, all of it is there and I can see 
I've got a much bigger, a much closer view of what it must have been like for Jesus and his disciples yeah. than I ever had before I started this. And the appeal that I want to make to my fellow American believers is to come to an understanding that God is still doing what God has always done. Amen. That Satan is still doing what Satan has always done. Amen. And that if we as disciples want to be faithful to the Great Commission, um, it's easier than ever before for a, 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 a typical American Christian to get involved in evangelism, not just locally, but globally. You know, there still are places in the, in the world that are unreached, and there still are places in the world that are very hard to get to. But when we say very hard to get to today, yeah. what we mean is probably two days of travel and several thousand dollars of investment to get to that place. Yeah. Uh, whereas in previous generations, you was, were talking months of travel and, you know... Miles of walking <laughs> and barely getting anything to eat on the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, sea voyages. I, I remember I watched a documentary about one of the early missionaries to... Uh, to and it was talking about how, how uh, terrible yeah. the, the voyage from... Uh, I think it was just Great Britain uh, rather than America, but it was a, just a very traumatic voyage. Yeah. And we don't have to do that. We hop on an airplane and 20 hours later we're almost anywhere in the world and then we can take another flight and get anywhere in the world. And, yeah. and, uh, so um, thank you. Uh, Thanks so much. I want to, uh, I realize you may not have this right now, uh, but I want to post and you'll probably see superimposed on the screen or maybe a link below uh, information about how you can uh, support my, my friend uh, Robert's <laughs> ministry. Um, and um, then, uh, of course, I also will uh, add a, an, appendix, uh, an appendix to this video describing how you can support my ministry. And um, see, your, see your circle, your awareness of the world grow by connecting into ministries of global evangelism. Thank you for listening. This was part two of a two-part interview. If you missed part one, be sure to visit my blog site at www.beautifulfeet.life and look there for part one. And I look forward to your feedback on the blog or via email at beautifulfeet at protonmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tales of Beautiful Feet. For more information, for questions or comments about today's programs, or to learn how you can participate in these adventures in global evangelism, please email me at beautifulfeet at protonmail.com. Beautifulfeet at protonmail.com.